Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country with a pedal to the metal with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Welcome, 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 welcome to uh, our little thing we do every Sunday, Sundays with Dr. Sean, Dr. Sean Talk, Sundays at the Stabley's. I don't know how many other members... Uh, uh, God and Country Radio, who knows what we call this thing. Call it something, but this is, how many of you, I know everybody here that was here, uh, some weren't here because they were in Israel, lame excuse, but whatever. <clears throat> Although they, they win the, the uh, farthest traveled, and you win a red pickup for being the farthest traveled. I know. Yeah. So uh, so anyway, uh, we really appreciate you. If you were here, you'd get to hear all about uh, our dear friends' travel uh, over to Israel uh, over the past couple of weeks. And so afterwards, that's what we're going to do. We're going to have a little chat about that. That'll be fun. Dispel some myths. Uh, that'll be that'll be a good, good thing. Uh, just so everybody knows, we have lemon cake and we have ice cream and cookies. And uh, then we have awesome um, cucumber salad. Is that what that's called? Cucumber salad. Chicken, fried chicken, yard bird, and uh, we have sugar-free barbecued chicken breast, um, and then we have peach pie from the Peach Festival, and then we have uh, deviled eggs, which I think are probably gone. They're very, very popular. Isn't that funny? Why don't we make deviled eggs just at home, just for nothing? You ever notice that? Why don't people make that? Why don't I make them? Why don't I learn how to make them? I would just make them and eat them and make them and eat them. Picnics only. What's the deal with that? This is kind of like a family picnic we have every Sunday. Isn't that cool? So we are just so uh, pleased to have you with us. But how many in the radio audience? And welcome to chat, by the way. Um, sorry, I was a little late getting that open. Um, I, I probably will not be able to have any interaction with you until after, but I'll be glad if you stay on with chat. I'll be glad to uh, share the questions that you might have for our friend that just got back from Israel. Uh, and then share his answers. I'll type them out for you if you want to stay on chat. Tell your friends. It'll be worth uh, worth participating in. But last week we talked about seven things. Then we had number seven, and we talked about that. But I thought this week it might be fun to do a seven thing again. <clears throat> Sevens are good numbers. I like the numbers. But this one is seven things to life, and this is a Dr. Sean talk. I'm the Ninja Pastor, by the way. You go to ninjapastor.com or DrSeanGreener.com, D-R-S-H-A-W-N-G-R-E-E-N-E-R. You can follow me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter, at The Ninja Pastor. I'm also on LinkedIn, and we're happy to come to wherever you are 
and uh, speak to your group. We travel all over the, the continental United States. And uh, hey, if in December you need me to go to Hawaii or Belize or somewhere like that, I will suffer for the Lord and I will go for you and the Lord. <clears throat> so here's the thing. Here's the thing. There's some there's some lobbying going on here. There's some thing. Uh, Wes will probably be willing to come help me, won't you, Wes? Yeah, Karen Mustaf helped me out. Help a brother out. Yeah, he'll be a roadie. And I need a doctor, and I need teacher because I'm not that smart. And, you know, we just got a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff going on. I need a lot of help. You'll, you'll what? You'll help me pack? That's right. I'm in good shape. I need help, man. I, you know what I do? <clears throat> worship leader, we got it covered here. Maybe you can get the keyboard after, and we can have some worship songs. And uh, and, and the violin and all that stuff, that would be pretty cool if you'd be willing. So anyway, all that said to say this, I uh, – you know, we we go everywhere to talk, and um, we're, we'll be happy to do it. We do conferences and seminars, and we also do crusades and uh, evangelist. I, I want to say evangelistic meetings, but not really. It's a little different. We kind of run at it a little different than you've probably ever seen. So today our seven things are seven things to life. Believe, pray, abide, walk, take, stand, watch. Let me say them again a little slower. Believe, pray, abide, Walk, stand, watch. Now, what in the world? What in the world is that? What do these seven things have to do with anything, let alone your best possible life in your faith, being a true follower of the way? And you'll note there's one key word that I didn't give. I'll say the seven again just for fun. Believe, pray, abide, walk, take, stand, watch. There's one word there that most of us like to add to that list. Of course, that would be seven things to life plus one, which would be in Common Core. We write it up on the board, then we go across, and we come down, and we go, and we add, we take away, and then we come up with whatever you want it to be. We don't want to make any pressure on anybody. So, But that would be eight things to life in normal math. But I, but I, well, you know, it's funny because we talked about trust last week, So, um, but it's perfect. We are not expected to be perfect, and that's something that lots of us add that to the list, right? We want to be perfect. Um, by the way, uh, one of our listeners, one of our great listeners, listens all the time and sends in nice comments and notes and stuff, uh, sent me an article about uh, pulpit pimps, I mean prosperity preachers, and, and feels as though I should be a little bit more on the positive side as far as abundance and things like that. So I'm actually working on a message on that, my take on that. And I'm, I'm going to deliver the message as soon as I find size 14, white, shiny shoes, a white with a white shirt, and a, some sort of shiny pink tie, I think. And I need some more rings. I need some more rings. I'm working on I've only got two. You know, I've only have two rings. So, and some chains, maybe. And a jet. I need a jet for this. But as soon as I get those things, I'm going to do that. No, I'm just kidding. We are going to do a, a kind of a cool sermon on that, what abundance is and what abundance isn't. Let's see what we can get from the dollar store, right? We are thrifty people up in here. We are thrifty people, and if it can be got at the dollar store, we will get it. I have a great team here. Welcome to the other people in chat. Thank you so much for joining us. So here we go. In relation to Christ, there are some terms which relate to the believer's life, and the words, these words, those seven words, are of great importance. They are not only of great importance, they are of eternal importance because of the issues which are pivotal to being true followers of the way. People ask me all the time, what, why do you keep saying followers of the way? Why don't you just say Christians? 
And why do you, when you say Christians, you say Christians? Because the term Christian was a pejorative. It was absolutely a pejorative, just like the cross was offensive. We Christians wear the cross around our neck, and, you know, we really like that. Uh, and I have some really cool ones. I have I have one that is nails. It's made with nails, and, and it's really quite uh, compelling. Uh, had a leather strap and, and different things to remind you of the different aspects of the cross. But the cross is, is really, from a historical perspective, at time in context was quite offensive, as was the term Christian. But we are really followers of the way, followers of the way being uh, capital W, the way being capital W, really the way, T-H-E, capitalized, W-A-Y, the way, the only way, the way, the truth, and the life. But these are eternal, pivotal things to us if we want to be true followers of the way. Now, you notice I said true followers of the way, not perfect followers of the way. Remember the seven things from my message last week in which uh, he tells us to cast upon him or commit unto him to handle as he promised he would. Remember, if you were here last week, you did we what songs did we sing? Just as I am, didn't we? We sang that wonderful, wonderful, wonderful song. It doesn't say just as I am. As soon as I'm perfect, it says, just as I am, without one plea. You know, we're, we're, we're messed up. We're dirty, jacked up people. And we're getting through this best we can. And then that's the whole point of community, being in community together in church, is to, is to help each other where we can. And just love each other for who we are and what we are. I want to say really quick, we have um, several friends who... Uh, are fighting cancer. I have a great friend named Robert. Prayers are going out today to our great friend Robert and Annie. Robert uh, has cancer, uh, just found out, and he will be having surgery on the 23rd. So we'll be praying for him. Um, and then my brother Lance has major surgery on September 9th, and uh, we'll be praying for him too. I'll be down there with them as well. My buddy Eric is doing good. Uh, really exciting to watch him, and we're just praying for remission. Uh, and that he can get a kidney. Once once we establish he's in remission, he can get on the list. And then my buddy Chris, Chris and his wife, they went to San Francisco and had dinner underneath the Golden Gate Bridge for their 16th wedding anniversary. So excited for him, and we're just praying that he continues to improve and strengthen up. So those are things we can do together. We can come and we can feed each other because when we're hungry, but we when we come together and we feed each other, guess what? We're not only feeding one another food, sustenance, but we're also feeding one another through love and, and the Holy Spirit who is in us, Rakh HaKodesh, who is in us. And we let that out by ministering to one another. That's kind of a cool thing. But last week we talked about, listen, commit to, to God what he said he would do. I know in whom I believed that he is able to keep that against that day, what he's committed against that day. He promised. He's never, ever broken a promise, has he? The Father, Heavenly Father's never broken a promise. We can't ever document that he's ever broken a promise to us. No matter what age we are, no matter what we've been through life, he has never broken us a promise. Well, here you go. Here's seven more things at no further cost or obligation to you. You do not get a set of Gensu knives as much as I'd like to give them to you. The following seven words. These are key aspects of the follow the way's life. You ready? I'm going to give them to you one more time. Believe, pray, abide. Walk, take, stand, and watch. To believe on Christ. Oh, man, that sounds so easy, doesn't it? To believe on Christ. 
My goodness. Well, that's easy. What We could just stop now. I just stop right now. I just quit right now. Y'all, we'd eat up all the ice cream before it melts or Mr. Stabley eats the rest of it. God bless him. He's a, he's a finisher. I like that about him. Priorities, man. He always goes for the ice cream. I go for the ice cream a lot, too. I've got a problem with ice cream. I'm going to tell you the truth. It's mint chocolate chip, too, which is good stuff. To believe on Christ is the secret of the Christian life. To believe on Christ. You can believe Yeshua because he tells the full, unnuanced truth every single time. He never lies to us. He's never lied. He's never even lied a little bit. He never changed his story. He never told a little bit of the truth, but some was a lie, and the part was a lie was devastating. Never once. Never once in the existence of the Heavenly Father. Never once in the existence of Yeshua. Never once did either of them lie to us. The Holy Spirit, Ruach HaKodesh, never lies to us. Never once. We can believe Him. We can believe Him. Why don't we believe people? Why don't we believe things? Because they lie to us. We can believe the Father because He's never lied to us. Not one time. You see, we we push our doubt of humanity, even those we love the most. You might have spent one year, three years, seven years, ten years, 25 years, 35 years, 45 years with a person. And you still might not believe them because they may have told lies to you along the way. What sh- what pushes us into the ability to believe someone, even if they've lied. They've got to tell the truth for a long period of time. You've got to string a lot of truth together because one little lie, right, we're back down on the foundation. Well, we don't have to do, with, do that with Heavenly Father, do we? We don't have to do that because he's never once lied to us. Never once in all of time, in all of history, we can't go back to a time and go, well, that wasn't quite true, 100%. The full, unnuanced truth every single time, even when it cost him torturous hours of excruciating pain and a heartless death. You know where we get that. If you've ever sat under my teaching, you know excruciating is out of the cross. It's a Latin word, excruciate, out of the cross. That's what that term comes from. So if you stump your toe or you maybe bend your fingernail back and you say, oh, that's excruciating, remember the cross. Sounds silly, doesn't it? But remember the cross. He had torturous hours of undeserved, excruciating pain and a heartless death. Here, heartless death. We're going to uh, thank you for joining us, Fly Catching. Honor to have you. When the Messiah was, and this is Galatians 2.20, by the way. Uh, this is the complete Jewish Bible. When the Messiah was executed on the stake as a criminal, I was too, so that my proud ego no longer lives. Man, that's tough, isn't it? Boy, if you're going to pick a scripture apart, you've got to stop right there and take a breath. I was too, so that my proud ego no longer lives. That's hard, isn't it? I thought it was. Yeah, coming up to it. I believe so. I was too, so that my proud ego no longer lives. We know that ego is tough on us, isn't it? Some of us act all humble, but really and truly, sometimes we're not. On the outside, we project this self-deprecating sort of, well... No, you know, we do something good. I have a good friend of mine. He's probably one of the best preachers I ever heard, one of the best writers I've ever read, and he's very self-deprecating, and he is truly, genuinely humble, or as he would say, humble. He's from, he's from Memphis. He's humble. But the fact of the matter is, he truly is brilliant. 
He's a brilliant, brilliant man. Great husband, great father, great pastor, great leader. But he doesn't have a proud ego. It's hard to squash a proud ego. You know, I've stood in front of audiences of thousands of people, and I can tell you I love doing that. I love doing it. I love doing it for, for this very reason. I love being able to get feedback from the people I'm speaking to. That's one of the things that makes radio so hard because I'm in a little black booth. I mean, it's, it's, it's just black all around me and screens, multiple screens and a computer and a mouse and a keyboard and a bunch of paper and whatnot. My dog, see, my dog's there listening. She's listening until about five minutes till, and then she says, I think it's time we play some ball. So she starts dropping the ball on my feet. You all that listen to the show on Wednesdays, you don't ever get to see that, but it's funny. Then she'll lay her head on me and drop the slobbery ball right in my lap, and I'm trying not to let on to folks. But that's that's our little deal. You be good for the show, two hours of the show, and after it's over, I'm going to take you out, and we're going to throw a ball. We're going to play. But, you know, I like knowing people are listening to me. Now, is that a proud ego? I don't know. I don't know. I like knowing there's a lot of people listening. I also like speaking to small live audiences where you can have this intimate setting and you can relate and interact with each other, especially after during the question and answer. You can see people's faces. You know what else you can see? You can see people's tears. I always like when I go speak to big places, I like the technical people. When they have technical people, I say, listen, let's make sure you, my wireless, a little countryman A6, and I'll, I'll say, listen, let's match up with this. I'm going to walk around. What do you mean, walk around in the audience? Yeah, I'm going to walk around. I want to see the people. And I want you to keep the lights out there. At a certain point, I want you to lift those lights a little bit because I want to see their faces. I want to see what reactions they're going through. Now, is that ego? I don't know. I like looking at them normal. I'm not going to lie to you. I like speaking to the big audiences. I like small audiences too. I like feedback. I like to know that I'm not talking to the wall. That's very important. Black churches, I love preaching in black churches. Man, I'm telling you, you get feedback. And you know how I mess around with you all and I'll read the wrong passage or I'll throw in a word that's not true just to see if you're listening? Go ahead and try that in a black church. I do it on purpose just to see. They give you feedback. Is that ego? I don't know. I don't know. But right here he says, my proud ego no longer lives. Ego is a big deal. But the Messiah lives in me and the life I now live in my body, I live by the same trusting faithfulness that the Son of God had who loved me and gave himself up for me. How do you how do you get to that point? Remember this word is believe. To believe on Christ is the secret of the Christian life. To be a follower of the way, a true follower of the way, you've got to believe. Listen here, there's no there's no point. I don't believe there's no point in messing around playing to be a Christian and setting the bar that you're going to be perfect in the eyes of man, because you're not. There's no way to do that. It's simply not possible until we receive our reward and glory. It's not possible. But what do we also do? We measure each other, right? We measure each other by how much we see of perfection or ideal in the other person. We do. We measure each other all the time. And a lot of times we don't believe this person is what they present themselves to be because we can't. We can't. Most people you can't. Some of the most humble people I know are listening right now. I'm privileged to have them listen. These are some of the greatest people. They live in, in uh, the Atlanta, Georgia area, and I'm so honored to be. They consider me to be family, and I consider them to be family. I love them so much. I love them so much. I miss them so much. Such a key part of my life, even from afar. 
And I can tell you that they would be the first to tell you. People look at their family all the time and their obvious success and the success of their children and the beauty of their grandchildren, and they say, wow, you have the perfect life. And they kind of they kind of chuckle a little bit and say, don't believe what you see all the time. We're working on it. We're blessed by God. We're thankful. But we believe in him. We rest in him. You ever see those things, uh, folks are out in the woods, they love to do these things, they wear those silly little helmets and stuff, and, and it, what do they call them, outward bound or whatever, you have these things, these trust exercises, you stand on this thing, you put your arms out, and all your team members are supposed to be behind you. You know folks don't want to do that. They'll be like, what, that big man fall on me, I hurt my back. I'm not trying to go workers' comp on this thing. So they, they won't do it. And you know what, I don't believe them, so I don't do it. I say, man, I'm not stupid. Y'all would act like you were looking at a bird or something when I'm time for me to fall. Whew. Thank goodness that didn't fall on me, they'd say. So I don't believe them. I'm not going to fall for it. I'm not going to fall for it. But we can trust God every single time. No matter what, we can trust him because he's never failed us. Never failed us, no matter what. The next word is to pray. To pray to and with Christ is the stay of the Christian life. To have frequent truthful communication with Christ, nephesh. We are the being that prays. We are nephesh. We're the being that prays. We're the only being, as far as we know, that prays. Father made us this way. Why? Because he wanted us to talk with him, not to him. Frequent but truthful communication. Oh, man, I, I talk truth to the Father. I Sure I do. Yeah. Yeah, I do. But what do we do a lot of times? We manufacture a voice. Maybe we adopt a, a grand English lilt to our voice. Father, Heavenly Father, we beseech you. And then somebody walks by that we know. Hey, man, how you doing? How's everybody? How's your people? How's your mom and them? Then they go back to prayer. Lord, you know, come on, be real. It sounds funny, but... We we mess around. We mess around, and every little lie matters. That's a lie. We're not being truthful with God. Listen, be truthful with everybody. Tell each other the truth to each other. Somebody you love, tell the truth. Don't bury. You say, man, I don't want to hurt him. I don't want to hurt her. Tell the truth. Don't. The truth is so much easier to handle. It's so much easier to handle. Lies are so difficult to overcome. The Father never lied to us, not one time. But we, if we want to pray and communicate with the Father, we have to be truthful in our prayers. You know what? If you don't know something, you should just say, I don't know. I say, I don't know. The longer I live, I say, I don't know so much more than I ever did before. You'd think getting to be almost 51 years old, I'd know a little something. And you say, well, they crashed at you back some. But the truth of the matter is, I don't know. I don't know as much as I thought I knew. And the older we get, the more we should know, the more we realize we don't know what we should know. The fact of the matter is, if we're truthful with God, God will be truthful with us. So when we communicate, when we pray, that's, that's the stay, man. That's the, this is the gift we have, this beautiful gift that God gave us. This is the thing. This is the secret sauce. But what do we do when we're struggling? We stop praying because we come under conviction. We say, well, I'm busy. Well, I'll pray when I go to sleep. I'll pray right before bed. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. Now with this brain injury, you know what I do? I have to do it right then. I interrupt people. Because I won't remember when you're, till you're finished saying what you're going to say. I, and I say, I'm so sorry, I have to interrupt you. Brain injury. 
and then I say, and then I say my thing, and and they always remember. People always remember. I don't ever remember. If I wait just a second, I won't remember. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. But you know what? They appreciate truthfulness. They appreciate honesty. The fact of the matter is, is we have to be truthful in our communication. We have to be frequent in our communication, even if we don't like it. Kids say, I'm not talking to you. I hate you. You ever have your kids say that? I always I always was desperate never to hear that from my children. It's the hardest thing in the world to hear, isn't it? Who in here has been a parent told by their kid, I hate you? I don't even like you. Worst thing ever. It's the worst thing ever. It's it's There's no worse thing. I'm blessed I didn't have to hear that. But I know lots of parents that have had to hear that, and it's hurtful. But you know what? There's something going on. There's a symptom going on there that we have to deal with. We have to deal with it. We have to have frequent and truthful communication with Christ because we're the being that prays. We're the being that prays. What a gift prayer is. Can you imagine? He gave us a way that we could talk not to him but with him. Sometimes you don't have the words. The Bible talks about a groaning, a groaning. Sometimes you don't have the words. You're in pain. Folks have lost spouses. Folks have lost children. Folks have lost parents. You've lost best friends. You've lost patience. You've you've lost so many things. Crushing. And it's crushing, man. I'll tell you what. I I look. Sometimes it's so hard to to lose people and things. It's 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 powerful. The loss is powerful. I was with my dear mother this week. I'm trying to see her more and more and more. I'm loving it. We're having the best talks. My mom lit me up this week. She was so funny. My goodness, she's funny. She's funny. 86 years old and funny. She's just funny. And uh, some of the stuff that comes out of her mouth, my goodness. I wish I had recordings of everything. Because you know what? She is funny, but she has a lot of wisdom. She's lived 86 years on this earth, and she's learned a lot. But I'm going to tell you, the way she looks at things, nowadays, she used to be known as the diplomat. But nowadays, mom's going to tell you what she thinks. She's going to say, hey, I'm not, I'm not long for this earth. I'm not going to mess around with untruthful things or bending the truth. I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you the truth. But you know what? I'm going to tell you something. When my mother passes, when she, when she graduates this class and she goes on to the Father, I'm telling you, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. And I don't know that I'll be able to get any words out, but I might groan a little bit for a long time. There's lots of us that have felt that kind of pain in our lives. We've, I've had experiences where I've lost people right next to me, gone in an instant. I've spent, in the, the careers that I've had, I've spent literally several, many people's last seconds, last moments on earth holding their bloody hands. And I'm telling you, you can't have, you can't have think of, what to say? Sometimes the prayer is nothing but groaning. And you know what? The Father understands your groaning. He understands your pain. He knows a little something about losing a child. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, complete Jewish Bible. Don't worry about anything. On the contrary, make your request known to God by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Before I go on, i got to stop here and go back a little bit. Don't worry about anything. Does he say don't worry about the, the, the stuff? The big stuff, little stuff, you go ahead and handle. Don't worry about some things. Don't worry about the things that you 
think you can't handle. Just you just worry. You just worry. now tell you what. You worry about things you can't handle, and I'll worry about things you can. And I'll just sort of work with you, and you'll think it's you, but it'll really be me. So don't worry about that. It's not what it says. It says don't worry about anything. You say, Doctor Sean, that's ludicrous. Then nobody worry about this. It's impossible. It's impossible to live like that. It's impossible to not worry about anything. My mom and I had a beautiful conversation. One of the things we talked about is she says, I'm ready for glory. I'm ready to see Jesus. I'm ready. She's not quitting on this world, but, boy, she knows heaven. She wants to see the Father. She wants to, she wants to kiss his hands and thank him one-on-one. She said, I'm not afraid of dying. I'm just afraid. Of, I, I would prefer to die in my sleep if I could, but I just don't want to die messy in a long, long time. She says, I know I'm a chicken. I said, that's not being a chicken, Mom. That's just, that's everybody. Nobody wants to. You know what I'd really like? I'd like to be in excruciating pain if I could when I go. And could we drag it out as long as we can? No, none of us want that. But it says, on the contrary, don't worry about anything. On the contrary, make your request known to God by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Here's the thing. Let's, let's just unpack this just a little bit. Make your request known to God. How do we do that? Well, wait, you don't have to, you don't have to guess. This is not going to be a test. By prayer and petition. It says, communicate with me and to me. Prayer and petition. Tell me what you need. You know who we tell what we need in our lives? We tell people what we need. Those people that we tell, we don't tell people can't help us. Look, I need a stack of 20s. Don't go to some poor guy like me and talk about you need a stack of 20s. You know I'm not going to have a stack of 20s. You're wasting your time. Now, I do know how to get a stack of 20s, but the bottom line is don't go to somebody. If you have relationship issues, if you have sorrow issues, don't go to some mopey face that can't ever smile. Folks talking about they're a Christian. Follow me to such and such church. You're like, man, I'm going to follow you to the ice cream factory because you need perking up. You need to stop talking about Jesus and start talking about something else because you're not going to convince me, right? You don't go to people like that. How can I be happy in my life? You go to the most sourpuss person you ever did see. No, you don't do that. That's the path to failure. I always say if your parents never had two dimes to rub together, don't ask them for financial advice. Do not ask them. Do not ask them for financial advice. Don't mess around. Well, but they're my parents. Well, if they never had two dimes to rub together, they're the wrong people to ask. Look, don't come to me and ask me how to do math. I'm not even state certified competent in math. Go to somebody that is certified state competent in math. I suck at math. Straight up, true story here. I'm terrible at math. Since the crash, I can't count. I can't count money. Now, there's cashiers out there listening. They're like, mm-hmm, I know what he looks like. Oh, no, you only gave me $20. You need to give me more money. You didn't give me, oh, no, you didn't give me that money. Meanwhile, the money's going in their pocket. I can't count. It's just that part of my brain that's damaged. There's the sequential things. I have trouble with it. You say, well, why two weeks in a row you preach on lists? Seven things. You notice I didn't change the number. <laughs> Prayer and petition. Listen, we're, you know why we can go to God and pray and petition? You know why we can go to him with our needs? He says, make your request known because we can believe him. We can believe him. The whole world will let you down before God will let you down one time. You can believe him. That's why. Everything comes back to number one. Why do you think I made it number one? Make a request known to God by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Oh, Father, I don't half know if you can do this or if you will, but 
if you want to. I don't know. I mean, you gave me this job, but it's hard. And I don't know. I asked you for this stuff, but now it turns out it's really bad. and It's troublesome. Got to get up early. Got to drive far away. Listen, folks. With Thanksgiving. Bring them your needs. Bring them your stuff. But bring it with Thanksgiving. Thank you, Father, that I have you that I can go to and say, I know in whom I believe because you are able. And you gave me prayer. And you said, I can trust in prayer because I can trust in the one to whom I am praying. But you have to be happy a little bit to find your way to joy. Father, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't see the way to the end of it. I don't see the way. It all looks hard to me. It all looks troublesome to me. I don't see the end. Try some Thanksgiving. Try some Thanksgiving. I know this. I know lots of people who drive far distance to work. I just talked to somebody. Who did I just talk to who drives far distance to work? Who was that? That going it. Far. Drives far to work. My buddy Eric. My buddy Eric used to have a job uh, far away. And I, who? Oh, who? My buddy Dave. My buddy Dave Winters. You'll meet him sometime. He'll come here. He commutes back and forth to North Carolina. His family's in North Carolina. He works up here. It's tough. It's tough. He's he's just got to make it a little while longer, and then he can retire. But my buddy Dave, he uses that as praise and worship time. He uses that. Listen, you you have seen that Toyota commercial, have you not? Woman's like, you never take. She looks next to her. They come up to a red light. She sits, and the girls look like they're dancing around inside the car. And uh, she looks at her husband. You don't ever take me dancing anymore. He goes, Well, we're married. And uh, but really, he thinks they're dancing around. But really, what they're doing is trying to avoid a bee—the very worst thing you can do to a bee. <laughs> right? But if you see me prior to my shows, or when I'm writing my messages, or or I'm just working on schoolwork or whatever, I know how far that stereo will go because I've tested it. If it could go a little higher, I would. My neighbors are going to hear some praise up in this house, and sometimes they're going to they're going to see tears. They're going to hear me groaning. It's a process, but I can do that because He says, "Come to me, bring your prayer and your petition with thanksgiving," and I thank Him that He listens. The whole world, you know, how you doing? How you doing? As we walk by, right? That's how we do it. We walk by. So, how you doing? How you doing? Boom. Down in Sussex County, where I'm from, you did a little head tilt. You know, you had you tilt your head to me, I tilt your head to you. That's how you doing, how you doing. But we don't really want to know the big deal on it. Don't tell us your big sad story. But um, that's how we go. But the Father doesn't do that, not ever. Verse 7, then God's shalom, passing all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds safe in union with the Messiah, Yeshua. Here's number three, if you're counting. To abide in Christ is the strength of the Christian life. Man. To abide, do you stay? Do you stay with Christ? You give him a try a little bit, see how he does, and things get tough. You go, well, that didn't work for me. That's not working out. Things aren't going well. He says, no, you abide. You abide with me. You stay united with me through tough times. Through tough times. When is our faith proven? Not in the easy time. It's in the tough times. It's in the long drive. It's the, I don't know if I can do this. Folks become parents. I don't know if I can be a parent. I remember driving home. You know, I was a police officer. I'd been up for two or three days, literally, no sleep. My aunt and uncle had just passed away in each other's arms in their front yard, or I'm sorry, their side yard. 
just like they said they wanted to just a few weeks before. And you know what I'll have you know? that my little girl was due on my birthday. September 23rd, my little girl, Lily, was due on my birthday. Oh, my goodness, can you imagine that poor child was born on my birthday? Whew. I would love it. I would love it. But she chose her own day. She came two weeks early. And, she, and, and her mom went into labor at the wake for my aunt and uncle. Went into labor at the wake. And then so I got, I got to the hospital at lightning quick speed. Let me tell you what, I didn't mess around. I didn't mess around. I had a lot of responsibility on my shoulders. I knew I had I, I had done some amazing things in my life, and I had a lot of responsibility, other people's lives in my hands. Tell you something. When I drove home with that little cherub, that little Eskimo pie head, she had so much hair on top of her head, people said, man, she looks like a little Eskimo. Oh, she'll lose that hair. You watch and see. Never did. She's none but, none but jet black hair. I want to tell you something. With that little cherub in the back of my car, I was yelling at people. I ain't going to lie. I was cussing at people, too. They'd be a 1,000 feet in front of me, use their turn signal and go in the lane. I'd be screaming at them, you better watch what you're doing. I got my kid in the car. I about lost it. Times got tougher than that, didn't they? Any of you that have been a parent, you say, man, I don't know if I can do it. Any of you who've had, maybe you got the diagnosis for yourself or your spouse. You, Father, I don't know if I can do it. I just don't know if I can do it. It's the tough times. I mean, your faith, how much you can believe the Father is proven in the tough times. It's a whole lot easier to go up a mountain than it is. A whole lot easier to go down a mountain than it is to go up a mountain, isn't it? Yeah. I end up falling. <laughs> I make it easy. It's painful, but easy. He says this, John 15, 4 and 6. 4 through 6, stay united with me as I will with you. Man, you know, you say, look, I'm going to hold your hand, you hold my hand. I'm not going to let you go, don't you let me go. Times are going to get tough over the next year or so, don't let go. The sickness comes. I love Chris and Jessica's story. I love them, Jessica Cahalan and Chris Cahalan. You all met them. Wonderful people, love them, love them. I say all the time, I'm so privileged to know such great people like all of you here and and some of the friends that I have. Oh my goodness, what a treasure. What a treasure. I just don't even, I don't know how to thank God so much for putting people in my life that love me, that know me and love me. Have you given thanks to God for the friends you've made over your lifetime? Man, you say, I don't have good friends. You better learn to treasure them. You better learn to make time. Find a way. Friends are a beautiful thing. I'm so fortunate. I am so, so fortunate. I know people, I know people that there's a time, there's there's a challenge ahead of them. And it's not going to be a five minute challenge. It's going to be a long one. Jessica and my buddy Chris faced, I think, what could be the toughest challenge. I think he had either a four, maybe a four percent survival rate, something like that. Pancreas cancer, it was advanced, you know, all this stuff. They had a couple things go really, really wrong, then Chris got strong enough through treatment to get the Whipple procedure, and then something happened bad there, and he just stayed true. And he said, man, this she's a, she's a rock over the long haul. Well, I could tell you what I could do. I could stick with you in this cancer. I'll give you, says the man looking at his watch to the radio audience, I will give you 10 minutes of my full devotion. You don't have this thing handled by the end of 10 minutes? Tell you what, we're just not sure what's going to happen. No, you've got to be committed. You got to be committed to the long haul. Stay united with me as I will with you. See, we doubt that we can hold on to the hand of the Father 
because we know us. We don't believe us. We don't, most of the time, we don't believe the Father because we can't believe ourselves. We say, we've let down so many people. How can I believe the Father? When I've let down, you see, we're recreating the Father in our own image instead of viewing him in his image. We say, we've let, we have let others down. We can't trust anybody else because they let us down. For just as the branch can't put forth fruit by itself apart from the vine, so you can't bear fruit apart from me. Have you known people that finish each other's sentence? They've been together. They've been friends. How about twins? I played a little band. Y'all probably didn't like it. Sleepy Hollow, uh, Sleepy, uh, I can't remember what their name is. Sleepy, Sleepy Something Band. I was loud on purpose because I was going to talk about this and I want to refer to it. The Sleepy Something Band, they're three brothers. Those are little kids. Well, they're a little bit older now, but, but the banjo player is the youngest. He's little. And when he was five years old, somebody put a banjo in his lap, and he commenced to tearing it up. Nobody could figure it out. Then the next oldest boy played a guitar. Next oldest boy. These kids are amazing. Now they travel all over the country playing music, amazing music, and they're Christian. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? But, you know, if you just have one instrument and you're supposed to be a band, one instrument's playing great. Oh, man, playing great. Boy, do we ever love that. But then the other guy's playing bad. You know, a drummer has to be on beat, doesn't he? Drummer has to be on beat. And you know, the ones that are off beat are the ones that play the loudest. Isn't that that something? Band doesn't sound right when it's not together. The branch can't put forth fruit by itself apart from the vine. So you can't bear fruit apart from me. Listen, the closer we are to the Father, the more united that we stay with the Father, the better things go. You say, man, I, I've been close to him before, and times just got tougher and tougher and tougher. I'm here to tell you. I am here to tell you the tough times can be some of the best times. How many of you have ever been in the darkness, the darkness, and you never felt closer, more united with God? Boy, I'll raise my hand. I'll raise my hand. I've been in the darkness. And the Father was with me. And you know what? The Father, being the capital L light, drove out all the darkness. If I was willing to give him time, pray, and stay united with him. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who stay united with me and I with them are the ones who bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can't do a thing. Unless, here's the caveat, unless a person remains united with me, he is thrown away like a branch and dries up such branches are gathered and thrown into the fire where they are burned up. Once you burn up a branch, what happens to it? You burn up a piece of wood, what happens? None but ash. It's none but ash. It's gone. It's no more. You sprinkle it on the ground, first rain, there it's gone. You never even knew it was there. Here's number four, free of charge, no cost or obligation to you. To walk as Christ is the shining out of the Christian life. 1 John 2, 6 and 9 Jewish Bible. A person who claims to be continuing in union with him ought to conduct his life the way he did. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command. On the contrary, it's an old command which you have heard, which you have had from the beginning. The old command is the message which you have heard before. Yet I am writing you a new command, and its reality is seen both in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in this light while hating his brother is still in the dark. How many of you, you know, I preached my brother's funeral, one of my brothers, I'm the youngest of five. 
youngest of five. My sister Kathy's my favorite sister. I'll make no apologies for that. I'll call it out. She's my favorite sister. Now, she's my only sister, but I just tell her, Kathy, you're my favorite sister. I sure love you. But, you know, my next oldest brother, we did not have a good relationship. We didn't. It was, it was, and I'm telling you, it was like this, says the pastor on the radio, punching his fist together. Man, it was, it was really tough. I was a diminutive little kid. I know you look at me now and you think, well, how could that be? No, I was little. I was easily the littlest in the family. I was, wasn't allowed to go out in windy days, for real. I was, I was skinny, man. I was skinny and small. I was petite. And I'll tell you, we didn't, he had a lot of problems that none of us really acknowledged until a little too late. My brother had a lot of problems. And you know what? Times got tough for him. And then everybody that loved him, times got tough for him. And I developed an anger, a resentment. But you know, through the power of technology, I got to communicate with my brother. And I'm telling you, we had some serious, serious fights. No kidding fights. Like end up on the ground eating dirt fights as grown men. And I'm going to tell you something. The Lord blessed me even in the midst of his super struggle, self-induced, albeit struggle. We had some amazing communication together. My brother has cost me jobs. And I'm not talking about a little job. I'm talking about a $123,000 a year job. I am talking about serious, serious loss. And I had a lot of resentment. But you know, there came a point where I had to say, look, the Bible says I can't have this. I can't have it. No, am I going to excuse his behavior? Am I going to lay money out on the table and just walk away? Am I going to trust fully in him? No, I can't trust fully in him. He's proven he can't be trusted. But the fact of the matter is he's my brother, and I love him. It was a juxtaposition when at 52 years old, now I'm going to be 51 September 23rd, at 52 years old he passed from this life to the next, one month from his birthday. One month from his birthday. He won in some odd. He died alone. Little kitty cat with him, that's it. And I stood there and I looked in the casket, didn't recognize this boy, didn't recognize him. My goodness, what the world had done, what he had done in the world had really changed his physical appearance. It was really something, something to behold. I didn't even, it was really tough, you know. I, I had to kind of not look at the casket, because I didn't even hardly recognize it. And I preached his funeral with his four children and grandchildren, beautiful children, my goodness. Talk about forgiveness. My goodness. I talked about how quick life goes, and it gets away from us. It gets away from us. It gets away from us. Then, for too long, we look around and we say, man, you build up a lot of hate. You build up a lot of resentment. And the Scripture says that we, anyone who claims to be in this light while hating his brother is still in the dark. You know, I used a literal brother, but it could be your friend. It could be your spouse. It could be any number of people. And hate. Hate's a tough thing. And it will keep us from the Father. First Peter 2, 21 through 22. Complete Jewish Bible. Indeed, this is what you were called to because the Messiah too suffered on your behalf, leaving an example so that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, nor was any deceit found on his lips. Let me tell you something. As a Christian, as a follower of the way, the Bible tells us in many places, because you follow me, you're going to suffer pain. They're going to hate you because of me. 
If you think, if some preacher stood in front of you and said, all you need to do is wiggle your pinky or text this number, and all is going to be easy and well in your life because you would now be a Christian, he lied to you. He lied to you. Sometimes being a Christian is tough. It's tough. How about number five? To take from Christ is the supply of the Christian life. To take from Christ, Isaiah 27, 4 and 5, I love this passage. I have no anger in me. If it gives me briars and thorns, then as in war, I will trample it down. And I will burn it up at once unless it's hold of my strength in order to make peace with me. Yes, to make peace with me. We have to take from Christ. We have to take from Christ. He says, I have all this stuff for you. All you have to do is take it. I've made promises to you. You've got to take it. I've laid it out. I've laid this banquet table before you. I call it the Aladdin factor. I'm the first one to call that. Jack Canfield uh, called it that. And, and uh, the Aladdin factor, it's you have not because you ask not. You ever hear the chicken soup and the and the and the uh and the uh tomato soup? You ever hear that discussion? Love is chicken soup, love is tomato soup, right? The 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 spouse is sick. We'll say it's the woman that's sick. Women never get sick in the relationship, especially if they have kids. They never appear to get sick, they're always tough. The men get a little hangnail and they're in bed for a week. Oh, I can't barely go on. Moms know how to get her done. But the thing is, is chicken soup and tomato soup Husband comes in and says, well, what can I do for you? Anything you need? Well, could you bring me love? Oh, okay. Let me go in there. I'll go in the kitchen. I get in that kitchen. I start messing around, and I find me a good can of condensed. Now, I would never do this because I like to cook from scratch. But condensed tomato soup. I won't say the company. And I do the right thing. I mix it. I measure it right out, and I scrape out the remnants in the can and everything. I heat it just right. Oh, my goodness, I'm so excited. I even remember a napkin. And I take it in there, and I'm all excited. And she says, I told you I wanted love. I sent you in there for love, and you bring me this? We have to try again. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Let me, let me, all right, all right, I got you, I got you, I got you. And I go running back in the kitchen. This time, what do I do? I get, I'll say the name of this because I don't mind giving them business. their best soup ever, if it's not mine. Progresso. I've got Progresso. I skipped over that other can, the red and white can, and I'm going to Progresso, the good stuff, right? I'm going to that. It's all organic, all this stuff. Oh, man, best ever. And I put it in there, and I heat it nice and slow. But this time, I find a nicer napkin. I get the better. I'm not going to use the plastic spoon this time that I had in my pocket from lunch. Um, this time I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it up. I'm going to give her a real spoon and a real napkin. And I go in there, man, I'm like, ha, 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 huh? <laughs> Come on, accolade, go ahead. Here's my back you can pat on. And she gets exasperated. She turns red fire with anger. And she says, now look here. I just told you to bring me love. You brought me that mess. Now you're bringing me this too? I said I need love. Why can't you bring me love? So this time, he goes back into the kitchen. And he says, oh, yeah, 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 I know. Let me run down the street. There's that little stand. Obama hasn't shut down yet. And the little little farmer kids, they've got this. And I'm going to get me some tomatoes, and I'm going to grind them up, and I'm going to make soup from scratch. And he gets on the Internet, looks it up, you know, and looks, oh, man, this is good stuff. I'm going to make the best tomato soup. This is the best tomato soup ever. 
this is love. I'm going to take her love. And this time he gets a little flower from the side of the road because he's run down there and run back. Puts it in the vase. He puts the thing there. Boy, what good shape. Good shape. And he doesn't even use the same bowl or spoon. He gets a whole nother bowl, a whole nother spoon, and a new napkin. This time it's linen. He's real excited about it. He knows that she is going to see this love, and she's going to just say, oh, my goodness, you're the best husband ever. High five. But he goes in, and what happens? This time, instead of getting mad, she just sort of a tear wells up in her eye, and she says, why, after all this time, do you not know I sent you into that kitchen for love, and you brought me this? Everybody knows love is chicken soup, not tomato soup. You see, it's a language. It's a language. Love to you is a different thing than to me. Loving you, loving you, loving all these people in here, everybody in this room has a different, we talk about it all the time, love language, right? You've heard that said. Come on, anybody can't be 10 years old and not heard the term love language. Love language, we all have different love language, but love it means different things to different people, the way it's expressed and felt. You can say, I best express love this way. Newsflash, if the person to whom is requesting, they've made a request known, they say, I need to take something. I'm tired of giving, I need to take some things. I need to, you don't ever fill up your car with gas, guess what's going to happen? It's going to stop. You better go take you some gas. Now, I recommend paying first, but I'm just saying, if you don't take some gas and put it in that car, you're not going far. If you don't take from God's promises, you're not going far. Your gas tank will be empty. And just like the, the husband and wife that's trying to all the time shove tomato soup down your throat and call it love. Now, for me, frankly, I love tomato soup. I just talked about it today. I said, you know what we need to have there at this Kahala? We need to have grilled cheese sandwiches and, and tomato soup. Oh, man, if I can find a way, I'm going to innovate. I love that. I love that. Man, that is love to me, especially when it gets a little cold outside. You know what I'm talking about. But here's the thing. If we don't take, then we don't have a supply. We don't have a supply. We don't, we don't have anything left. We've got to go to Christ and take it. Isaiah 27, 4 and 5, I don't have any more anger in me. Briars and thorns, how many of us have briars and thorns in our life? You, look, you've got to trample those down. You've got to say, Father, help me to trample these down. Help me to grow this, throw this, cut this woody mess and throw it into the fire and burn it up and be done with it. Get it out of here. I don't need this anymore. Please, Father, help me do this. You've got you've to take. You've got to say, here, here, I've got some matches. It's called forgiveness. I've got some matches. We can set flame to this. You can take this. This is, a, this is an axe to chop the, the thick, woody, the thick, woody uh, uh, trunk of this and chop it right off from the roots. Kill it. I've got an axe here. You know what else I have? I have gloves. You can put some gloves on and protect your hands. You don't need to get those bloody hands. You can, I've got all of it laying right here. He says, I've got scripture right here. I've got prayer right here. I've got faith right here. Come on and take it. Nobody can shove it down your throat. Nobody can shove it into you. You've got to say, hey, I want this so bad. How many of you have ever been swimming? How many of you have ever been swimming? And you know what? You went a little too deep. Or maybe you was in a little bit of a, a wavy situation, right? You were at the shore somewhere, and uh, uh-oh, that wave got you. You, you violated the cardinal rule. Don't ever turn your back on the ocean. That wave came and got you, and it knocked you down. And you couldn't breathe. You were tumbling and tumbling and tumbling. And you said, man, oh, man, when I get to that service, if I ever get there, I'm going to take the best breath ever. And then after a little bit of tumbling and tumbling, you started to wonder, am I going to get a breath or not, or is this it? I've been there. I've been there more than I, more than I care to share. I'm telling you, 
that first breath, that grabbing of oxygen, that's the way you go and you take the promises of God. That <gasps> we've, been, we've been lost for so long, we forget how to breathe. I was just telling a friend of mine the other day, going through a tough time, better breathe. Look, stop what you're doing and breathe some. Be still and know that I am God. You know what that also means? It means to breathe. It means to stop sitting around and and having shallow little sips of oxygen. It's not enough. Sometimes you have to take that big, deep breath of the Father and say, can do no more on my own. I have to take of your promises. I have to take of your blessings. I have to take it into me because nobody else is going to do it for you. Nobody can. Nobody can. Friend, nobody can make your life joy but you. Nobody can but you and the Father. That's a team that can't be beat. You know, you can have earthly alliances. You can have you can be joined like this and be tight with your with your spouse or or with your with your with your kids or with your uh uh siblings, whatever, with your parent, whatever, whatever the case may be. I'm telling you, you can have that. But it's gotta be like this with the Father. I'm not going to let go of you. Don't let go of me. He he kind of chuckles every time we say, Father, don't let go of me. What we're really saying is don't do like I do. Don't do like I do, Father. Don't do like I do. I have let go so many times. I have disappointed so many people. I said, I've got you. I've got your back, and I let you down. I'll be true to you, and I've let you down. I've shattered your trust, and I've let you down. We've done it. We've done it so many times. And so we take that and we say, this is what we're going to get from the Father. But that's not true. He says, I will not let you go. Unless it takes hold of my strength in order to make peace with me. Yes, to make peace with me. Have you ever had somebody, you're in a trial of your life. You were emotionally, I'll tell you, uh, this is a secret. You can. This is free of charge, no cost, obligation to you. If I'm in a real trial or I'm very upset, the worst thing in the world you can do to me is hug me. Isn't that weird? It's the worst thing. I I can't have somebody wrap their arms around me and say, look, just let me hug you. Just Just let me hug you. That may be what you need, but that's not what I need. I need you to sit with me quiet maybe in the little distance and what can I do for you? Be quiet. And wait for me to be able to say what I need to say or do what I need to do. I, I can't be hugged when it's like that. Uh, you know, when my dad died, you know, my dad and I didn't have the best relationship up until the end of his life. It was tough. Me and my dad, boy, we didn't get along. He was a hard, hard man up until the end of his life. And I laid in that bed, and I remember just being broken. You know, that stuff is final. My dear son, Doyle, you guys know and love Doyle. He's such a great kid. He's just a wonderful, wonderful boy. He's 21, but he's still a boy. He's still my boy. You know, when his biological father died, I realized instantly, man, that's final. That's final. I thought I had a bad relationship. That was the best kid that man could ever have had, and he didn't know it. He didn't know it because he didn't abide. He didn't stay. He didn't grab hold. One of the biggest prizes he could ever have in his life, the biggest prize he could ever have in his life, but he didn't do that. He let him go. You know, I'm going to tell you something. That finality is heartbreaking, isn't it? The Father will never break from us. He says, abide with me and I will abide with you. To stand with Christ. This is number six if you're counting and tapping your watch thinking that it stopped. 
because I just keep going on and on. It's okay. We'll be done here in just a minute. Six of seven. To stand with Christ is the staple of the Christian life. That isn't always easy. The path isn't always without danger, pain, or sorrow. Man, I'm going to tell you this right now. I said it before. I will say it again and again and again and again. Don't let some pastor stand up there and tell you, you can have all this abundance, all this easy. Life can be so easy if you just do this. My goodness, it's going to be so easy. You're going to wonder, how in the world did I get through all this in life without doing this? All I need to do is learn a few words, change my haircut. By the way, thank you all for noticing I got a haircut. Thank you. Gosh, I try to change things up. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> it's a raucous audience. If you're in Radio Land, you live in Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, you could be here. We have a lot of fun. Not just good food. We have good fellowship. Listen, it, life is going to get hard, and, and I'll tell you right now, to stand with Christ, sometimes you bring the tough. You say, I remember my dad. My dad said this. My dad was an alcoholic for his whole life, but he quit drinking. Quit drinking, quit smoking, and I'll tell you what, that's when he got sick. That gun, if that man never did get sick, he would get up at 4.30 in the morning, go to work. He, after stoking the fire, because I grew up, we didn't have heat. We had wood stoves. That's what we had. And you know how the woods got there? We cut the wood. We went out and got the wood. We cut it. We split it. We stacked it. We carried it. Carried it. My dad, every morning, he would get up. He was a man of few positive words, but I'll tell you what he, how he showed it. His chicken soup, folks, was getting up and going to work every day. And before he left for work, he stoked all those stoves. And every stick of wood he put in there, I love you. I love you, family. I want you to be warm. He would never be able to say that to us because that's not how he was raised. But you know what? He loved us. That was his chicken soup. You know, I said I needed tomato soup. I need, just tell me you love me. Tell me you're proud of me. But the fact of the matter is, and you know people like this, this is news. This is not news to anybody who's been alive for any length of time on this planet. Folks love us how they're able. That's how he did it. That's how he did it. But you know, the amazing thing is, once he quit drinking and quit smoking, he got sick all of a sudden. Ended up having several major surgeries. We stood next to him. He had all these tubes coming out of him. He got mad. He was coming out of anesthesia. He was trying to rip the tubes out. Now, my dad was a huge man. And even under anesthesia, my brother Randy and I were standing next to him in intensive care, and this man's grabbing on stuff, and my brother and I are like, no, you got to stay still, Dad. You're all right. You're all right. They had him intubated and everything. He was trying to yank that out. But you know, his life got harder. He gave up all that other stuff. All of a sudden, it got harder. It was a real juxtaposition of what you thought. You thought, wait a second, I'm being healthy now. I should have it easier. But you know what? It doesn't get easier. It's, 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 it's a real metaphor for the Christian life. Sometimes, sometimes it just gets harder. And, but that's in the natural. It gets harder in the natural. It gets more difficult in the natural. But we get closer to the Father in those trials, don't we? The path isn't always easy. It isn't always without danger. You know, I think of these missionaries that go to these far-flung places and they have to fly planes and, and hope they don't get killed and all of this. The people going to places soldiers won't have to go. And they go because God called them. There's places that are nothing but pain and sorrow. Jobs that have nothing but pain and sorrow. Right now, heroin is such a big epidemic. Uh, dear lady, I'm trying to get to come here. Her name is Terry Algeo. I hope she's listening. And uh, we're praying for you. She lost her daughter, Katrina. The reason my teeth are straight is because of Katrina. 23 years old, heroin overdose. Gone. Beautiful, smart, funny, professional. Got a future. Gone. 
I want you to know in Huntington, West Virginia, in four hours' time, they had 24 heroin overdoses. It's so bad in, in West Virginia and Tennessee that on the police cars, if you can help us with this, call this number. If you have any ideas, call this number. We don't know what to do. This woman is in sorrow. She found her daughter dead in her daughter's bedroom. She walked in the room. She was getting ready for church. She said, come on, Katrina. Come on now. I told you we got to go. You're going to go out Saturday night. You're going to church with me on Sunday. That's our deal. And she went in there after a while, and her daughter was already dead. And she's heartbroken. She's lost. But she knows she's going to see her again. But you know what? Sometimes, even though we're followers of the way, we're Christians of great Catholic faith, she, she, it's hard for her to see it right now. It's hard for her to have any release from pain. It's hard from her to, for her to not be depressed. It doesn't always get easier when we follow Christ. Pain and sorrow and danger follows. Ephesians six thirteen through 20. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. What did I say about take a minute ago? What did I say about take? How do you put on your armor? You have to take it up. You have to grab it, put it on. You have to do something. Folks that tell you you don't have to do something to be close with God, they're lying to you. Don't let them lie to you. Shut them right down and walk away. They're lying to you. They're, they're telling you something that simply is not true. You have to take it up. You have to get it. You have to put it on. There's something you have to do, and it's that. It's the staple of the Christian life is to stand with Christ. It's to stand with him. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. I'm going to tell you something. These great apostles, these, these, these great testimony, the, the great testimony of faith, last week I think it was about Paul and Silas, Shaul and Silas, uh, you know, I, t- I told you how they were bound and the, and, the, and the prison shook. Great earthquake came around about midnight, and the, and the jailer, the Philippian jailer, he, he he was ready to run himself through with the sword. He knew, man, if, I'm, I'm done. These are, nobody's going to stay in the prison after how I treated them. See, that's the part I didn't say last week. I should have said this last week. The reason why he thought they were gone is because he knew the treatment that he gave them. He knew he had done these people wrong. And he also knew they were innocent. He knew in his heart they were. But they were still there. They were still there. They were in prison. And the father found a way. They were in prison, and the father found a way to release them through their faith. They believed. They took a stand. They took hold of something called unhesitant faith, no matter what. Declaring boldly. Man, sometimes we're in environments where they make us. Public school system, if you're a teacher, it's tough to be a Christian now, isn't it? 
tough to be a, you could hide if you want. You could hide your faith if you want. Make it easier. Sure would make it easier, wouldn't it? Well, there at work, it might make it easier. Retired teacher, spouse of a teacher. Who other teachers we have in here? Anybody else? Steve, there he is right there. He's a teacher. Man, I'll tell you what, the public education system nowadays doesn't reward faith. But the Father does. Sometimes if we're silent, we're denying. Isn't that true? If we're silent, we're denying. We say, I will not. I will not. This Wednesday, I'm going to talk about something that happened in Texas that I'm kidding you not. You won't believe. This Wednesday at 4 p.m., same channel you're listening to now. Go to drshawngreener.com or theninjapastor.com. Along about Monday or Tuesday, you'll see the post there, and I'll have the link of hours of other shows, and they're all free. Declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Don't be apologetic for your faith. Declare it boldly. Declare it boldly. You say, well, I can. I don't. Well, you have to take it. You have to take your boldness. You know when you can fight better? You can fight better when you've got on the armor. You can fight more boldly when you've got armor on you to protect you. When you've spent time in the word capital W and you say, man, I've armed myself up. When you've spent time in prayer, petitioning and with thanksgiving, you can go into the fight because you know I'm co- I am covered by the blood of Yeshua. You know that the, the cross is empty. The borrowed grave is empty. You know those things to be fact. Why don't we live like it? Why don't we live like that? What's the matter with us we don't live like that? Because we go back to number one and we believe Christ as we believe ourselves. We look in the mirror and say, well, I, you can't be trusted, person in the mirror. You can't be trusted, friend or spouse. You can't be trusted, employer. We look at God and we say, that's how you are. All the way back to number one, if you're remembering, if you're writing them down, believe. To watch, this is number seven. Look here, you made it all the way through. There should be a prize, a cookie. If you were here, I'd give you a cookie. To watch for Christ is the standing order of the Christian life. Remember to believe what we have to anticipate. You've got to anticipate what God said he would do. You've got to believe it. And you know more than that, you've not only got to know what he said being in the Word. You've not only got to know the promises intimately by praying. And listening, being still and knowing he's God. You've not only got to stand in what this is, you've got to believe that what says he will do, but not only even that. You can believe all you want to believe, but if you don't live like it, if your practice of your life around others doesn't show that you believe the bumper stickers on the back of your car, then you are wasting your time because that's what the Father sees. You say, the Father knows my heart. Father knows your heart, but he knows your actions. And if you don't think that we, listen, if we don't believe him, we don't believe him. And he knows that. He knows when we're faking. You say, well, Pastor, I don't know. I don't, how do I, I feel so bad now because you, you told me all this, what's wrong with me? That's the purpose of gathering together. That's the purpose of, of being a community of people that say, hey, I'm going to love you through this. I'm going to help you through this. I'm going to be unlovely at times. I'm pretty much unlovely all the time if you've taken a good hard look. But the fact of the matter is, with a new haircut, I'm a little better. Uh, But the fact of the matter is, your prayer was answered. I know Miss Glory was praying, Lord, let this man get them curls cut out of his hair. 
<laughs> I know. She always keeps me keeps me honest, keeps me groomed. So here's the thing. Here's the crazy, crazy thing. The believing it. How in the world? I alluded to this last week. How in the world can you tell somebody, believe what I'm saying about Christ, and you don't live like you believe it? How in the world can you go into the world, the dark world, go in there with doubt and fear? How can you do it and actually convince somebody that you mean what you say, that you these seven things, these seven things, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just hang on with me. Mark 13, 33 through 37, this is the English Standard Version. Be on guard, keep awake. You know, I'm a person that can live on very little sleep, but you know what? There comes a point where I'm so tired. I average between two and four hours of sleep a night. I know that's bad. I don't want to do it. If, listen, the magic, the magic, <laughs> sometimes I get so tired I just about fall out. That's what we say in Sussex County. I, fall, I fell out. Sometimes you just fall out. You can't keep awake. You can't keep awake. It's really, really challenging to keep your eyes open. It's really, really challenging to be on guard, as it says here. Be on guard. Keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves his home and puts his servants in charge, each with his own work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Boy, this term, watchfulness, to watch for Christ, watchfulness. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. We're not supposed to crane our heads to kind of Father, if you just give me a miracle, get me through this next 10 minutes or the next 10 years. I just need another miracle. I need you to show me something. Give me a little something flashy so I can cling to it. Help me to believe. Help me in my unbelief. We can pray to him that, can't we? We can, Father, help me in my unbelief. But you know what? Don't, don't ask for parlor tricks. Don't, the true believer doesn't ask for parlor tricks. The true believer says, you know what? I'm going to be watchful because he said stay awake. In the tough times, you know when it's the hardest to stay awake, Listen, I've worked rotating shift work, seven-day rotating swing shift, seven days of midnight, seven days of midnight, then you have off two days, then seven days of day work, then you have off a day and a half, then seven days of evening, and you have off a day, and you start it all over again. You wonder why police officers are dying of heart attacks, crashing their cars. That's because that's a shift that we used to work in the police department where I was. It's a killer. The hardest to stay awake. I know for me on midnight shift, I love midnight shift. I always try to work the 9 p.m. to 5 p.m. shift because it was called the power shift. That's when all the bad stuff happened. And you know me. I want to be rocking and rolling when the bad stuff is happening. I want to be in the thick of it. I don't want to be sitting there quiet going, well, I wish I would get a call. I wanted to be in the thick of it. But along about 3.30 in the morning, I started to get sleepy. Along about three thirty, four o'clock in the morning, I started, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? I started blinking my eyes a little harder. And back then I didn't drink any coffee, none at all. And so I was just kind of shaking my head, you know. I'd drive my police car. If it was middle of winter, I'd drop those windows. I'm telling you, it was an ice ice bucket in my police car. I kept it cold anyway, but, and I'm just, come on, i got to stay awake. And then i pull over somewhere, walk around a little bit. 
I used to like, I know this seems crazy to you, but if you had any idea what police officers, good police officers do to keep you safe in the middle of the night, I used to walk through neighborhoods, park my police car, walk through neighborhoods. I've caught rapes in progress. I've caught burglaries in progress. I've caught all kinds of bad stuff. I was no super cop. Trust me when I tell you. There's a thousand other police officers that are 150% better than me. But I'm telling you, you can't, you can't catch them if you're not out there. If you're sleeping in your car, you're not going to catch them. But along about that late hour, when you got about another hour or so to go, watchfulness is tough. I can remember several occasions, several occasions, when in the morning somebody tapped on my window, sitting in front of my house, and they said, your car is running. I fell asleep. I don't even remember driving up to my house. I fell asleep in the driveway with the car on, drive with my foot on the brake. So tired, so exhausted. Watchfulness. It's in that hour that we have to be watchful. You know, it's been a long time since the events of the early Bible in the Middle East and Israel on Golgotha when that happened. It's been a long time since somebody saw the transfiguration of Christ. It's been a long time. It is hard to remain watchful. It's a comprehensive word. It's much more than simply holding on to the truth of Yeshua's return. It covers the whole trend of the spiritual life in the variety of its traits. It is a hard thing to do. Listen, I'm going to summarize these real quick and then we'll be finished. Believe. Live like you mean it. Live like you believe it. Live like you believe it. Believe and live like you believe. Pray. Pray. Listen, look, the Lord is listening to you. The Father's listening to you. Pray like he's listening. Pray like he's right there. If you have to put a picture, an icon of Christ, what they say Christ looks like, bunch of hair product, white dude, long flowing hair, not what he looked like at all. But okay, if that's what you need, put that up there and pray with your eyes open and, 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 and fill yourself full of that. And believe, pray, pray like the Father is listening. Abide, be patient and faithful. You know what, number one and two, We'll help you with that. Abide. Be patient and faithful. Believe and pray. You do more believing and praying, guess what? You'll be able to abide better. Walk. This is number four. Doing one through three is the path of living the Christ-like life regularly. Walk. Take one time in your life. Listen, this is one time in your life that you're told to take from some little low, some one. Stand. I have a hashtag on Twitter and social media. Um, decide, resolve, stand. This is true. You've got to decide in whom and what you believe. And then you've got to resolve to do those things, one through five. And then you've got to stand. You've got to be unwavering. Nothing is going to push you down. Watch, number seven. Expect God to do what he not only promised to do, but that which he's always done throughout all of history. Listen, it'd be harder to watch and expect God to do what he's done if he did it once or did it twice. I said the reason number seven and number one are so closely related. You can be watchful and wait for him to come because he always has. He will never, ever let you down. You'll notice that this list does not include the word perfect. God knows we aren't perfect. And you know what? You and I know it too. 
thank you for joining me today. I sure appreciate it. Join us on Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We will blow your mind this Wednesday. In the meantime, go to theninjapastor.com. If you believe in what we do and you want to help further it, click on the Donate button. Super safe. Leave us a comment. If you've listened tonight, leave us a comment there. We sure appreciate it. DrSeanGreener.com, theninjapastor.com. God bless you. Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And check out all the free messages, archive shows, and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, at www.drshawngreener.com. Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight.